all across the world in every nation, it's time for the good times. Forget about the bad times. If we took a holiday, took some time to celebrate for just one day out of life, it would be, it would be so nice. Madonna's wise words remind us to step away from our day-to-day obligations and responsibilities, even if it's just for one day to come together to release the pressure. We need a holiday, don't we? This topic and more, as today we ask the question, Roman holiday, what's it about? I'm Ricardo Blade Diaz. I'm Seth Crow. I'm Megan Branham. And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, the show where... T- oh, sorry. That, that's our old That's our old intro. <laughs> and this is the What's It About Film Podcast, the show where we try to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, holding a mirror up to ourselves and seeing how it reflects in our own lives. Seth, Megan, how you doing today? Great, great. You doing how are good? you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good, guys. I'm feeling great today. Um... The confidence is high. The energy is there. Nice. I, I must, I must have got good sleep. Who knows? I'm what about you two? You, I, first, you first this okay. week. <laughs> I would like more sleep. I did not get a ton. Oh. <laughs> it was another friend. No, it was another friend's birthday last night. Oh. <laughs> so we were we were just hanging out. Megan's little... just so popular. I just, all of my friends are Aquarius. What, where are we? What? We're sign on Earth. Okay. <laughs> I just know what sign are we. Anyway. Oh, I have no friends. idea. <laughs> There's another birthday coming up in like two weeks. So. My goodness. Yeah. I only, have, I only have a couple birthdays in my life. One of them is coming up, but the other one is Seth's birthday. And that's it. <laughs> that's a while. And that's, a, I know. And I, and I'm scared of it. Why? 35? Ugh. 35. Like, that's, I remember when my mom turned 35 and I was like, oh, she's going to die soon. Like, like, I like had that. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, time. I'm Reframe 30... that. What's that? Reframe that. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just, I can remember coming up the stairs of my church and my and and realizing it was my oh. mother's thirty fifth birthday, and I was like, "She's getting old." Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're in the prime of your life. Prime. Yes, I agree. I agree. It will be good. Oh it will be god. fine. It will be a Roman holiday. It will be, yeah. <laughs> it would be so nice. <laughs> yeah. Holiday. Hey, your, uh, what's that? When's your birthday? Uh, September. 14. September. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, you've got a minute. I've got a minute. I'm 34. Yeah. I'm 34 for a little while longer. You've, yeah. You've got months left of yeah. a vibrant life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's all downhill from here. Not to insult anyone out there that's listening to our show that's over 35. I know we have. AKA mom. (laughs) My mom doesn't listen to this show. My mom does. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, sorry, mom. Uh, That's a memory. (laughs) Look, if any of our families listen to this, which I know my aunt has been listening to, to us lately, which is really cool. She listened to the American Gigolo episode, and she's like, to too much information. I was like, 
I'm not I'm not holding anything back on this show. So like if you guys want to listen, just know that you're gonna learn stuff about me that maybe I don't share on the day to day. That's a good that's a good episode. I like I, the episode, but I do talk yeah. about performing kind of lingus quite a bit. And my aunt yeah, was not yeah, prepared yeah. for that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we no. have to talk about that on this episode though. No, we don't. No. <laughs> uh, we're talking about something else. We're talking about Roman Holiday today. Um uh which is again the oldest movie that we've done on this podcast, uh nineteen fifty-three. Um classic film. Classic film. Um this was Megan's choice. Megan, why why Roman Holiday? Um well, it's almost Valentine's Day, so I feel like, or I felt like we should do, like, a something a little more, like a classic romance, um, and I just really love, this movie was one of the first older movies I saw, because my, like, old Hollywood obsession started with Audrey Hepburn, as I think most teenage girls' old Hollywood obsessions start, and so I was watching, like, her entire filmography, and this was one of the first ones, I just, I've loved it since I was, like, 15, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, awesome. It, really interesting choice because uh, like I was saying to Seth, and I think I said this last week, you you pick things that we would never pick. Uh, that's, you know, and that's which, a compliment. That's, that, a compliment. that's great. And yeah. here's the thing though. I also am a big, big fan of Roman Holiday. It's actually one of my favorite movies. It, it has yeah. such a – the way they made movies back then, was it's so different than the way they make movies now. Things – kind of play out much much slower and much like they really kind of just like let the characters be for long periods yeah. of time and yeah. like it was like 45 minutes into the movie and i was like oh wow not much has happened yet right yeah and, and but like i was still very entertained and the character and like specifically audrey hepburn is just magnetic in this movie she is. she's so him. delightful and she is so endearing in this movie yeah. um I, and I don't watch it as frequently as maybe I should because it is such a lovely movie in so many ways. Um, but uh, yeah, like even though I like this movie so much, I don't think I ever would have thought to do it for this show. So I want to say thank you for bringing it to us and maybe bringing it to our audience who either have never seen it or hadn't, you know, were reminded of like, oh, oh wow, yeah, uh, Roman Holiday, what a classic. Um, so thank you. Thanks for thanks for watching. Yeah, uh, Seth. What about you? What's your experience uh, in history with Roman Holiday? Uh, I had zero history with this movie uh, prior. I I in I enjoyed it. It is you're right. Um, these movies are all about mood to me. You know, like they indulge in mood way more than modern films. So like things are just kind of happening and you're just in the vibe of the moment that they're in. And it's not really about the plot being driven. It's about like experiencing Rome with them, you know? Uh, I, because of that, like I enjoy the mood, but I, I have to like check myself a little uh, Mm -hmm. because like, it's I get I get tired a little mm-hmm. bit when movies do that, or it's like the the problem I have with older films. It's just I don't have the attention span mm-hmm. uh, that you, it takes because of modern whatever. Uh, but I love the ending. Uh, I thought it was very refreshing for an old film. Uh, you know, 
I mean, even if this was just Princess Diaries, they just redid Princess Diaries as I was going to say, I was going to say, it reminds me a little bit of Aladdin. Oh, princess sneaks away from the palace, meets a, 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 a you know, a, a roustabout. Yeah, I get a lot of Notting Hill. Notting Hill. Notting Hill specifically is actually apparently like a more modern yeah. interpretation of the same plot. Yeah, um, for yeah. sure. Happier, I guess not happier ending. Different ending. Different ending. Yeah. It it it's it's refreshing to see a movie where the guy doesn't get the girl at the end of the movie, and especially for that time period. Yeah. Because right? like I don't know, I can't. I mean, I don't know of any other movies that end like that. That's not like a Shakespeare tragedy or something. It's, I mean, from back then, I, again, that's like one of the bigger gaps in my movie knowledge. I've seen some older films, but not yeah. nearly as many as I've seen. Obviously, it, it feels like that, things. it feels like this was like a historical ending and that's why it's like such, why it was such a big film. I mean, I don't know. Well, but. it it is a extremely revered film, um, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, what's I think what's interesting about it, it the ending is uh, we won't spoil it for anybody right this second, but like I guess we already did. Meh, whatever. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Retroactively. Um, yet again, we do not need to say spoiler alerts on this look, podcast. People get mad yeah. when you don't. <laughs> people get mad when you don't. I know the if whole you haven't watched the movie. This show. Yeah. If you I haven't know watched the movie, movie. Turn it off. Turn this podcast off and go watch the movie. Look, I know the whole premise of this show is that we're just going to talk about it freely and openly and whatever. Yeah. But sometimes people like just like get get miffed about stuff. I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, um, you're right. I think what's really interesting about this movie is like, even though they don't end up together, quote unquote, end up together, um, you don't leave feeling like sad like you maybe there's a little bit of that like ennui a little bit of that like you know regret and like longing yearning maybe but like you don't feel the feeling depressed that they didn't end up together you know what i mean like it was nice that they had their time together and you wish that maybe they could be together but like they've changed each other's lives for the better and like sometimes that's like good enough and it's just more more real that's why it's comforting because mm. everyone you know Everyone watching movies was still in their like, you know, perfect relationship. Weirdly and enough, it it's like, like it's more more realistic. Than, it's way more realistic. Yeah. Well, like as as far as fetch as like a princess like escaping and like all that stuff like like but as far as like the actual relationship of like two people who have chemistry who meet and it's like but their lives are just like can't it's yeah. like, it's impossible and it's like the movie didn't jump through hoops to make them end up together. And like the heightened reality of her being a princess and him being like a reporter makes it fun still. Like the whole time it's kind of fun and there's like a gimmick and then it grounds you really quickly in like the the ending. Yes. And it Well the the ending's like the donut hole. Mm-hmm. Like uh Wait, what kind of donut hole? The hole in a donut or a donut hole? Like well, those that's, the- that's that's the Jerry Seinfeld joke that describes this kind of paradox. Uh but it's uh so, I mean, it's a, it's a romantic 
film taking place in Rome. I mean, everything about it is romance. So the the most romantic thing that could happen is that it's not a romantic ending, right? So it's like this weird donut hole in the writing. Like, uh, if it was a romantic ending, it would be cliche. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it has to be, to maintain romance, it has to be the anti-romance film mm-hmm. at the end. So, interesting. Uh, it, yeah. Speaking of which, you just, uh, the way you described it, Megan, with like, with like her being a princess and him being a, a writer and him like wanting to get a story out of her, you know, it reminds me of a movie that we watched recently, 27 Dresses. Oh, yeah, yeah. A reporter who's following around this, this, this woman who's trying to secretly write a story about her and like trick her into like giving him uh, a story and then he, so he can get what he wants and needs. Oh, yeah. 27 Dresses is, is Roman Holiday. <laughs> and there's yeah, a there's a bride which is kind of like a princess yeah i don't know yeah i mean you're stretching a little bit but i can see no it. i'm not <laughs> this is me stretching people okay. at home can't see this <clears throat> anyway uh yeah so now that we've kind of shared our initial feelings about this movie let's talk about how it came to be uh you know get into its history a little bit and let me tell you there is history here there's a lot of history here. This is going to be some this is going to be some Hollywood history lore for people who aren't familiar with uh Hollywood in the 30s, 40s and 50s. So, um here we go. Uh so this film is directed by William Wyler. Uh William Wyler was a very prolific director who's directed nearly 60 films if not more, but half of those are silent films. He was a silent film era director for a long time. Uh, and I'm not going to list those here, but, uh, sorry for any silent film fans out there. Um, but he also did, uh, the second half of his career were talkies, um, once, uh, sound was introduced into filmmaking. Uh, and some of his talkies were Hell's Heroes, The Storm, A House Divided, Tom Brown, The Culver, uh, Her First Mate, Counselor at Law, Glamour, The Good Fairy, The Gay Deception, These Three, Doddsworth, Come and Get It, Dead End, Jezebel, Wuthering Heights, The Westerner, The Letter, The Little Foxes, Ms. Miniver, The Best Years of Our Lives, The Air, Detective Story, Carrie, The Desperate Hours, Friendly Persuasion, The Big Country, Ben-Hur, The Children's Hour, The Collector, How to Steal a Million, Funny Girl, and The Liberation of L.B. Jones. Three of those were Best Picture winners, Mrs. Miniver, The Best Years of Our Lives, and Ben-Hur, but he also was nominated for 12 other Oscars that he did not win. So very... Very accomplished and prestigious director, William Wyler. This film was written by two writers, uh, John Dighton, and maybe the more recognizable name, Dalton Trumbo. Uh, Dighton is known for writing Hail and Farewell, The Vulture, Ship's Concert, Thanks Evans, It's in the Blood, The Viper, Many Tanks, Mr. Atkins, Everything Happens to Me, The Good Old Days, Sailors, uh, three, Let George Do It, Saloon Bar, Hoots Man, uh, That's the Ticket, The Ghost of St. Michael's, Turned Out Nice Again, The Black Sheep of Whitehall, Went the Day uh, went the day Well, The Goose Steps Out, The Foreman Went to France, The Next of Kin, Undercover, My Learned Friend, Champagne Charlie, Nicholas Nickleby, Saraband for Dead Lovers, Kind Hearts and Coronets, The Happiest Days of Our Lives, The Man in the White Suit, Who Goes There, 
Brandy for the Parson, Folly Be the Wise, the story of William Tell, the Swan, the Barretts of Wimple Street, and the Devil's Disciple, uh, which he received an Oscar nomination for Man in the White Suit, which uh, was for Ealing Studios, Seth, the same studio uh, which Charles Crichton comes from. You remember Charles Crichton, director of A Fish Called Wanda. Mm -hmm. That's my birthday movie. Yep, yep, yep. Good movie. I know it's one of your faves. Uh, and then obviously Dalton Trumbo also had a very, very, very long and illustrious career. He had written uh, Road Gang, Love Begins at 20, Devil's Playground, Fugitive for a Night, A Man to Remember, Five Came Back, Curtain Call, A Bill of Divorcement, Kitty Foyle, The Lone Wolf Strikes, You Belong to Me, The Remarkable Andrew Tender Comrade, A Guy Named Joe, uh, Shorty, sh uh, oh, uh, 30 seconds over Tokyo, our vines have tender grapes. And then at this point, he was on the Hollywood blacklist and was writing under pseudonyms and being fronted. So he wrote Gun Crazy, He Ran All the Way, Rocket Ship, Ship XM, The Prowler, They Were So Young, The Boss, The Brave One, The Green-Eyed Blonde, From Earth to the Moon, and Cowboy. And then after this, he was back off the blacklist and could take credit for his work. He also wrote Spartacus, Exodus, The Last Sunset, Town Without Pity, Lonely Are the Brave, The Sandpiper, Hawaii, The Fixer, Johnny Got His Gun, The Horseman, FTA, Executive Action, and Papillon. Uh, he won two Oscars, one for Roman Holiday and one for The Brave One, both of which he was on the blacklist when he won them. So, speaking of which, The Blacklist. This is the history that I was talking about. If anybody does not know what I mean by that, I'm not talking about the James Spader show, and I'm not talking about... Uh, what we know as the blacklist nowadays, which is the, the uh, every year they release a list of the most coveted and, and uh, highest rated unproduced screenplays that in the industry, they call that the blacklist, which is named after this era of these, of that I'm going to get into the reason that's the reason it's named that. So, for a film as light and lovely as Roman Holiday, the true life events surrounding the film couldn't have been more opposite. Screenwriter Dalton Trumbo already had an established writing career by the mid-30s. He seemed poised for a long and illustrious career, but Trumbo's life would end up taking a slightly different path. You see, Trumbo was affiliated with the Communist Party back at that time, and it wouldn't have been such an issue until the onset of World War II in 1939. Trumbo would eventually move away from the Communist Party, but continue to write articles that seemed to color himself as a Russian sympathizer. This being during the height of McCarthyism didn't paint Trumbo in a favorable light. And in the late 40s, rumors began to swirl about there being communist agents planted amongst the Hollywood elite and they are there to feed the American people pro-communist subliminal messaging through our films. Not long after these rumors began to pick up steam, Trumbo and many other film industry members were named as communist sympathizers in an article. This led to Trumbo and nine other screenwriters being called in to testify on the communism in, Ho on communism in Hollywood by the House Committee of Un-American Activities. When Trumbo and his fellow writers refused to testify, they were sent to prison for 11 months, as well as being completely blacklisted in Hollywood, where no one would hire them. These writers were dubbed the Hollywood Ten. 
When Trumbo got out of prison in 1950, he wasn't able to get any work as he and many, many other film professionals were forcibly locked out of the industry. However, Trumbo and these other writers formed a coalition, turning out dozens upon dozens of screenplays under pseudonyms or by having other writers front them. And it is during this time in the early 50s that Trumbo and Dighton write the script for Roman Holiday with fellow writer Ian McClellan Hunter fronting for Trumbo. Roman Holiday received a limited release in theaters in August of 1953 and was an instant smash hit, receiving widespread critical acclaim and adoration, many citing the film's delightful script and the magnetic performance of then-up-and-coming star Audrey Hepburn. While the domestic box office was a tad disappointing, the film was popular internationally, and on a $1.5 million budget, it grossed over $12 million worldwide which is just over $132 million adjusted for inflation. But not only that, the film received 10 Oscar nominations, winning three of them, one for Best Actress, one for Best Costumes, and including one for Best Story for Dalton Trumbo, which he could not accept because officially he was not the credited writer on the movie. This actually happened to Trumbo twice in his career. Again, it occurred three years later with The Brave One. However, with time comes perspective, and Trumbo's name was finally added into the movie's credits in the 2003 DVD re-release of the film, and officially he was credited on the film in 2011, nearly 40 years after his death. Roman Holiday is yet another film we've discussed on this podcast to have been selected by the Library of Congress for the National Film Registry back in 1999. It seemed back then there was a lot to want to escape from, and many found Roman Holiday to be that escape, perhaps even the creators themselves. And that is the story of Roman Holiday. Ricky, that's that was... An, an intense research situation yeah, a, there. I said, there's a lot of history here <laughs> yeah. in this one. Uh, you you left mean, out a li- you left out just a little though. What I leave out? Another um, Pokemon? Yeah, actually. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, just fun fact: uh, there is a Pokemon uh, trainer modeled after Audrey Hepburn's character in Roman Holiday, named Diane. Uh, she is a famous, renowned actress who is the champion of the Kalos region's Pokemon League and Pokemon X and Y. Uh, and she is the only character to have the trainer class Grand Duchess. Wow. wow. That's true. So, Seth, are you going to do Pokemon research for every movie that we do? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. If it if it if it hits, maybe <laughs> I don't know. Pokemon has if become can... so ingrained in pop culture. I'm sure like yeah. there's something for everything. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Mike, if I can make Megan laugh doing it, then I'll do it. But we'll see. I'd love to learn more about Pokemon. Well, that's I mean that's what I'm doing here is I'm spreading the, the information. You're spreading yeah. the good word. Spreading the good. Yeah. A Pokemon. Pika, Pika. That's the good word. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I, I preface, there's a lot of history behind this film. Not necessarily the film itself, uh, as like back then the studio system was in full swing. So like stars were like basically like hired by studios to like be in like all their films type stuff. So like it, the, the, the machine of churning out movies was just so smooth. Like it, it's not like it is today where it was like a little bit more 
like anybody could get a movie, you know, anybody can make a movie like indie films and all that. None of that existed. It was all studio stuff. And so movies just kind of like were on a, a, tr- a track. Um, but the circumstances surrounding the movie are so interesting. So interesting. So, yeah, that's uh, that's how this film came to be. Came out of the. Uh, the the, you know, Red Scare, basically, you know. Well, I mean, the film itself is taking place in Rome, Rome. and like, and because of that, like, inflation is like through the roof there when they're there because it's post-war, and so the economy is still recovering, and the EU hasn't been formed. Right, they're still using lira. Yeah, so it's just an interesting. I mean, true. I mean, at one point he did say, here's a thousand lira. And she's like, oh my yeah. gosh. And he's like, that's like $1. <laughs> like, the, you're right. The inflation is huge. Yeah. So it's just an interesting, honestly, it's like an interesting location to shoot a movie. Uh, I mean, and if the guy was on the blacklist, I don't know if that's helping his case. If he's hanging out in Italy post-war, like, I don't well, know. Well, no, Trumbo was not on set. Okay. Okay. Uh, again, because no one could be seen with him, right? Yeah. Like, no one was allowed to associate with any of those guys. So, like, they like literally were like writing scripts together in like in like a in like a house, like just like toiling away writing cheap cheap scripts and thrillers and things like that. Like a lot of the movies that that Trumbo wrote during that time were like really easy to write, easy to consume, like horror and thriller and stuff like that that they keep in sci-fi that they could just churn out and not have to worry about the story having to be like anything special. Um, cause they just needed the money. Um, and then they would put a pseudonym on it or they would have a friend of theirs who wasn't blacklisted, put their name on it. Um, uh, yeah. And so Roman holiday being an exception to that, where Trumbo felt like that script was special and they actually put a lot of attention and, and, and personal investment into it. Um, and apparently was obviously really affected by the fact that it won the Oscar and he couldn't take any credit for it for a very, very long time. <laughs> um, yeah. And then same thing happened with the brave, uh, the brave one three years later. That sucks. Imagine winning an Oscar and you not being allowed to say that it, you, you, it was you. Mm. It would suck. If I had, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I was going to say. <laughs> All right, Seth. <laughs> True of anyone. Seth is like, Seth's like, yes, that would be terrible. I've never <laughs> done that. I've never secretly won an Oscar and it wasn't able to tell anyone. Right. I forgot, Seth. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that is how this film came to be. It's time for us to keep moving right along here. And uh, Seth, you know what time it is. Um, it's writing. With Ricky, writing with Ricky, it's the best time of day. The music sucks, but that's okay. We gotta get there anyway. That's uh, that was my take on Harry Styles. Uh, oh, as it was. <laughs> <laughs> so he just won the he just won the Grammy. I know he's a hot topic right now. What what a what. A controversy. Yeah. Yeah. Beyonce got, Beyonce got passed over again for album of the year. Who won album of the year? Harry Styles. Oh, 
Yeah, it was a big deal. And then he got up and he's like, and he goes, stuff like this never happens to people like me. Did he say that really? Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah. God. He was, I mean. He was referring defending. to the fact that he grew he grew up kind of like lower middle class and, and like in an area that didn't have anything to do with the business. Like he's so, such, he's an out, he's an industry outsider that, that has become industry elite. But he's also a white guy. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't happen for those white guys people are very upset because beyonce's won like 80 something grammys but only won like song of the year like one it's like three there's like three big awards in the grammys all the other ones are like whatever it's like song yeah. of the year album of the year yada yada and so like she's only ever won like three of like the big ones why didn't she set a record this year though yeah she's won the most grammys ever ever Never. yeah yeah That's cool but you know Still got snubbed. Beyonce had the best album of the year. Oh, you can't say that in front of me. That's triggering because I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I know. Mm-hmm. More drama. Well, Taylor Swift won won the album of the year over over Beyonce many times. Oh, I was just referring to the the classic. Well, that's drama. what it. That was one of the first time it happened. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're not a Grammy show. We're a movie show. But that was our entertainment news for you here at What's It About Film Podcast. Now on to Writing with Ricky. Yes, Writing with Ricky. So I have devised a logline for this movie, and Seth and Megan are going to score it on a scale of 1 to 10 based on how good they think it is, based on their own criteria. Uh, And we're going to add that into my overall score uh, and average that out and see how I'm doing. Again, I'm trying to keep it up high right now. and we'll see. So this is my log line for Roman Holiday. A young cloistered princess sneaks away from her coterie and meets an American journalist who accompanies her for just a single day of fun in the city of Rome. I need to hear it again. Okay, okay, okay. A young cloistered princess sneaks away from her coterie and meets an American journalist who accompanies her for just a single day of fun in the city of Rome. It's a little lengthy, Rick. Oh, I thought it was so good. Thanks, Megan. I like Megan. Get out of here, Seth. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was great. Everybody's, everybody has their own personal preferences. So yeah, score based on how you. Nine. I'm going to give it a six. Okay. (gasps) Okay, so that's 9 plus 6, 15. Average that out. That's going to be a 7.5. Not bad. I'll take the 7.5. All right, 7.5. We're going to average that. While we do that, uh, enjoy this ad. Do the ads. Do the ads, Rick. (laughs) I'm doing the ads. Here we go. We don't have any ads yet. That's okay. We will. We should just make fake ads until we get ads. I thought about that. I thought about uh, doing uh, just recording a thing where I was like, hey, it's me. Um, we don't have an ad here, but maybe we, we could put your ad here. Let us know. <laughs> you know, or, like do an ad for the ad space. Yeah. Or we could just like be like, I don't know, do like fake funny ads too until we can replace oh, absolutely. them. Absolutely. Uh, these are my new scores. So it brought down my overall score just a little bit. I am still hovering over an eight. So that's my goal is to always keep it above an eight. Uh, so currently my overall score is an 8.08. Hanging in there. 
hanging in yes, there. Yes, I know. It brought me down just a skosh. Uh, but it did bring up my 2023 average just a little bit as well, going from a, a 7.41 to a 7.43. Nice. So, again, I'll take the improvement. I got a 9 from Megan, a 6 from Seth. We all know that Seth sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Seth always tanks me. Seth did it for Triangle Sadness. Seth did it for Megan. Uh, so there we go. <laughs> from a three again. Seth, why are you why are you trying to to hurt me? I'm not trying to hurt. I'm just you know somebody's gonna really want to hurt me. Somebody's gonna give you the brass tacks. Do you, you really know? want to make me cry? You're quoting <laughs> a lot of songs on this episode. <laughs> I quote a lot of songs throughout my whole life. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah. That is writing with Ricky. Uh, for anybody out there that, again, is wa- listening to this episode before they're watching the movie, before they're reminded of the movie, hopefully now you remember what it's about. Oh, no. Now you remember what it is. But now we're going to talk about what it's about. It's time for that titular question. And Megan, since you chose this movie, you get to pick who you ask first. So go ahead, Megan. Okay. Um, Ricky. What? Roman Holiday. What's it about? Yeah. So, hmm. for me, it's it's kind of a duty versus desire. Um, as in, we all have our, our responsibilities and obligations in our life. You know, our, our survival jobs, our personal relationships, our survival, you know, food, rent, all that stuff. Uh, that keeps us from just like kind of enjoying certain things in our life very frequently. And I think this movie is postulating that it's important to at least give yourself an escape from that stuff every so often. It, it all becomes so overwhelming. You know, we see it with, with princess Anne that like she, you know, she comes, I think comes across a little bit younger and more naive than she actually is. You know, she's in her like mid twenties at this point in the movie. Um, but like, she seems like she comes across as like a really, really young princess, almost like a teenager. But uh, I, th- I think it's cause she's just so sheltered and overwhelmed. You know, she's, she, it's just too much for her, you know, to be this princess, to be this, this figurehead. It's a lot of responsibility and I think it's overwhelming her. And I think she just needed, some time away from all that to just have fun, just enjoy herself, just do the things that she truthfully, the simple things that she truthfully wants to do. And it, I think it reinvigorates her in order to allow her to get back to her responsibilities and feel less overwhelmed. So I would say this movie is about the importance of allowing yourself a break every once in a while to take a holiday whether it's just for a day, whether it's for a longer period of time, you need to give yourself time. So that way you you don't burn out. Yeah. I've always loved the way they say that, like a whole day, whatever you want to do, just Mm -hmm. do. You've got no time limits, no constraints, just whatever you feel like doing. We've done, we've done, we've done all the, you know, all these things that I've wanted to do today. Why? Well, it seemed like the thing to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, it seemed like the thing to do. Mm. Uh, I and that's why I think I think this, and I think honestly, we see it with uh, Bradley too, uh, Joe Bradley, where 
he is not really enjoying his time in Rome as, you know, a correspondent and kind of just seems like a grouch, kind of a little bit of a grouchy curmudgeon guy. Yeah. Um, not in like a, not like, not like Scrooge levels of grouchy, but like charming. he's a little prick. He's, he's charming for sure. He, but he's a little prickly. He's a little prickly yeah. with people um, because yeah. it's just kind of over the, the bullshit, you know, uh. of like his existence. Uh, yeah. And then he meets her and she reminds him that, you know, sometimes you got to take, take a holiday and you got to look at things and, and just experience things for the fun of it. I like that a lot. I think that's a nice thing to take away from it. And they both come back to their respective jobs with like needed perspective. Exactly. She's more aware of like what it's like to actually live life. Mm -hmm. He's maybe a little bit less of a not jerk curmudgeon. Yeah, I think that's nice. Yeah, I, I mean, and you're right. The, the the new perspective, I think, is like why it's important to give yourself these these breaks, right? It's like because I think we get so like head down in the sand, like just get through our lives type stuff. Yeah. That like when we take a moment to like be like, whoa, there's a whole lot going on out here. That was really yeah, fun. Yeah. And it allows you to like not maybe not bury yourself so deep when you go back in. Those yeah, moments the, are enriching and they are important. The Ferris Bueller of it all. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking, Seth? You guys are so positive. You're so positive. I just, I'm like, <laughs> gross. <laughs> Seth! What? You think it was positive? What's that? Why don't, wait, what did you think it was? What uh, did you take? Uh, some of the things I wrote down are very not positive. Uh, some of the theme gleans I got out of this movie are pretty uh, brutal. Like, no one is happy. <laughs> That's what you got out of the movie? <laughs> yeah, like, no one is happy. Society prevents you from being with the people you love. Uh, and real life is not romantic. Like, that is what I gleaned from this film. Like, in real life, the guy doesn't get the princess. That's That's where my head went with this. So... Yeah. What, okay. I can see it. I was, I, I, understand. I think, hmm. Okay. <laughs> let's know. Let's dig into this a little bit, Seth. Let's dig into this a little bit. Cause yes, like I took a more positive thing. I'll, this is why. Cause I, I feel like I just had an experience where I went on an extended vacation, which I rarely take. And I went to my sister's wedding in January. I know I've talked about it a lot on here and people might be like, oh God, he keeps talking about this wedding. Oh, wedding, wedding, wedding. But truthfully, like, honestly, it was a very life-changing experience for me in that I don't know what it was about it, but it was so lovely and so enjoyable and like reinvigorating in my life that I, I didn't know I needed that like I when I came back I literally I keep joking about this with some friends of mine I'm like I'm I'm confident now I'm confident now I'm a different person I'm gonna be confident now for the rest of my life <laughs> that's obviously not true but I did come back feeling some kind of like weird I don't know like a self esteem boost in a strange I, way I totally get that I not to like interrupt you but yeah. i think there's something about 
putting yourself in a new situation, like traveling. That's why I love traveling so much because you take yourself out of your familiar surroundings and you get like all you have is yourself and your resources and your like you just have to understand yourself in a new context. And that's really empowering. And just it's a fun little way to break up. Well, I think you're you're probably closer to your more authentic self when you're alone on a vacation. Well, I was oh, yeah. not alone. You're also just like the best version of yourself because you don't have to deal with all the like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I definitely wasn't alone. Actually, for me, because I was with a whole bunch of extended family on on this resort. And it was great because like we'd wake up in the morning. We'd all go get breakfast together. And then we would split off throughout the day and like kind of all do whatever we wanted. Some of us were doing things together. Some of us were doing things alone, but like we could do whatever we want throughout the day. And then like the only time we would have to come back together, if this is there's, there was some kind of like wedding event, like the rehearsal dinner or things like that. Otherwise, like we would, we most likely get dinner together, but like we didn't have to. Uh, Mm. And like, and then we would all just like be hanging out for a whole week. And it was, it was great. And like, we all got it. We got, it was a miraculous thing that we all got along so well for so long. Like a whole week of everybody just like really enjoying each other's company was kind of yeah. crazy, especially in yeah. my family. Um, so I don't know. Like I came back from that trip and was like, I feel great. I feel really self-assured. I feel re reinvigorated and re-enriched. And like I can move through my life with a little bit with my held held a little bit higher after this trip. Yeah. And, like, honestly, it has sustained me for at least the last month and a half or so, um, weirdly enough. it's I'm still kind of riding that wave. I know it's going to come down probably eventually. It has to. You know, life wears, wears you down. But, uh, you just go on another trip. Yeah. <laughs> for now, it, it you know, I feel pretty good. So, I mean, that's – and this movie reminded me of that feeling, watching them both take a break from their really stressful lives in various ways, you know, with – uh, Joe being kind of a little bit more strapped for cash as it seems like he, he's struggling to make rent. Um, he doesn't really like that. He's in Rome. He lives by himself. He has a couple of buddies, but like, I don't know. He doesn't really seem to like actually like vibe with them all that much. Um, mm-hmm. So it's even nice for him, even in, under the guise of like writing this story. Right. That's like the whole conceit is that he's supposed to be secretly interviewing her without her knowing Right. But like he doesn't ask her any of the questions that they want to know. Right. Like about any of like the political stuff. He doesn't ask her any of that stuff. He's not doing a very good job of doing his job. No, I think he might be a bad reporter. He's a bad reporter. (laughs) And I think that's funny because I think he like, again, it's under, he like takes her out under this conceit of like, oh, I'm going to like get this big story about her. Right. And then what he ends up doing is completely just like throwing that by the wayside. Pretty yeah. qu- quickly. I don't think he's doing a very good job in here at all. Uh-huh. I think his position is the saddest, personally, because he's going to go back to being poor and having no one to yeah. love and being by himself. Yeah. Like, like me. Like it's totally up to her. Like, at the end of the film, he wants her to come out. Like he wants her to. Yeah. Yeah. He's he. I know that. I know that feeling. Like I know that that longing, and he wants her to make the choice to come see him and rekindle hope that they could have something, and she doesn't because that's real life, 
and she is way above his station. She was never going to be with this guy. And I just think, you know, I think he kind of got, he let himself, like he was trying to do the fooling and then he kind of let himself fool himself. I think. I I don't read it that way anymore, though. I don't read it as him like waiting for her. I used to, but I think now, because I watched it when I was like 15. Um, and now I just kind of, I like think the whole time they both know it's like, and I feel like a lot of people, most people have had a relationship like that, where like, whether it's like, for whatever reason, you know, it's not going to work in the long term. Either there's like a connection or, you know, a shared experience or something and you, I just love that it's this like meditation on how important somebody can be in your life, romantic or otherwise, without it having to last forever. So in that moment where he's like walking, now I just look at it as him kind of like, yeah, of course, there's a little bit of hope. But I think he's like just kind of meditating on the whole experience and like taking in this grand place that he probably won't ever be in again. But he, keeps, this- he keeps looking over his shoulder. You know, he's I like, think it's both. Mm, I think it's both. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Truthfully, like who doesn't allow themselves to get swept up a little bit. Right. Like, of yeah. course, like it would be amazing if she would come back around that corner or as he's driving away, she would come rushing out of the alley, chasing after the car. Like I don't want to be a princess anymore. Yeah. Who doesn't yeah. want that? Obviously. Like, but I also think that he's a, he's a, he's kind of a very pragmatic guy. Like, yeah, I think he's, he's painfully aware of the reality. And I think it's just, he doesn't want to let go of, he doesn't want to let go of the idea of maybe, maybe she'll, yeah. she'll turn that corner. I think yeah. he knows that she's not, I think, cause I think when she's like, don't like, don't watch me go. No, don't watch me run around the corner. Cause I just, I just, you know, don't watch. And he does. Because I think he wants to hold on to it for as long as he can because he knows it's not coming back. Just that memory. They also, it's an interesting snapshot of a relationship where like they can just keep it frozen and perfect and they don't have to worry about reality coming into it. Because if they did end up together, then like he's got no money. Mm-hmm. He can't be like married into the royal family. It would be complicated. Uh. and. Not as romantic. And I think you're discounting her life and how how difficult elements of her life are. Yeah. Like, sure, she's waited on hand and foot, but I think something that we see is that her her experience with Joe, like, it changes her. Where she's like, I would rather, you know, not be waited on hand and foot. I want to take more agency over my life. We see it when, you know, they're trying to give her her like her milk and crackers she's like no i don't want them like stop serving me that i don't want it and her coming back at all is like now she's made the choice to be here Mm -hmm. and she's never done that before exactly and that's a really empowering and we see it in the press conference too where she's like you know where they're you know she does it the way she they want her to and then when she's supposed to get up and leave she's like no 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 i'm gonna go and, and talk to the press you know, yeah. and, and personally thank each one of them. Uh, yeah. And she just seems like she has grown and like, empo- like you said, empowered herself because of this small dalliance that she's had. Day. Yeah. yeah. Has, has given her an, an, a different 
outlook on the way that she can control her life. Yeah. Within, within the my, reality of it. That's one of my favorite parts of the movie is when she's not when she, I mean, yeah, when she goes down to shake hands with everybody, but when she's answering the question about what her favorite place was and she starts to answer it the way they tell her to. Mm-hmm. And then she looks right at him. Also the way he gets all misty eyed, mm-hmm. that whole last scene. Gregory that's Peck. Me. He knows what he's doing. Gregory Peck. Let me, let me say something about Gregory Peck here. Um, as a, just a, some to like be like props to the dude. So like he was a huge, a huge star at that time. He was like the, the head guy at that studio. And Audrey Hepburn again was up and coming. She was just starting to become this star. And like, like, um, uh, Elizabeth Taylor was supposed to, was maybe supposed to do this movie and other like big, big, uh, stars at the time were supposed to do this role but they ended up casting audrey hepburn and as they were shooting gregory peck was you know she was going to get he was going to get top billing and she was going to get lower billing than him because again she wasn't as established yet as they were shooting he was so impressed by her and and so taken by her that he lobbied to get her the same equal billing to him mm-hmm. which yeah is big at that time. You know, those stars were like, you know, infamous for like being like stars, right? They like, you know, for being a little bit diva ish and being like f- jockeying for, for top yeah. billing. Uh, but he elevated her. So, yeah. Very interesting. He grabbed, he grabbed her firm by the arm and pulled him up next to her, <laughs> next to him. <laughs> that I, I, there were moments of, there were a little jarring, as like a modern person watching this film. Yeah. With, with he does lead her by the arm a lot. Yeah. yeah he like, Oh, she's so tiny. His like whole hand is around her arm. It's yeah. She was drugged. <laughs> and then like the, the scene with the little, the girl with the camera, that scene uh, is a little like, Ooh, but I mean, it's the times, it's the times. But, what about the way the Secret Service is handling her? Oh yeah, God. I don't want that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, oh. it's jarring. Sarah and I both were watching it and being like, whoa, like, like, it's just, that was okay. But it's not, you know, it's, you can't say that. Like, it's definitely not okay now. But mm-hmm. it's like, it's it's interesting. This kind of reminds me of like when we were talking about like Thelma and Louise and like the the idea of like the slap, right? Like in classic hollywood movies like the slap like slapping somebody is okay you know and and like people can get past that and like it's like nowadays like if someone hits somebody you know physically physically strikes somebody it's like "Mm, i don't know if we move past that you know oh the slap was in 27 dresses 27 dresses i'm apologizing thank you 27 dresses yeah that's the idea of like uh, like sometimes someone needs a good slap in the face (laughs) <laughs> to to give them perspective. That's Wake such up. a class. Yeah. yeah, that's just yeah. A, that's such a classic Hollywood move of like, oh, I'm gonna slap some some perspective yeah. into you, so you think about what you've done, and then we can move past it. That. It's like I don't think we do that in it these days. No, nope. There's a lot of yeah, that no, kind of stuff happening in this movie too, where it's like, mm, I don't think that relationship goes further. He handles her like that. My, yeah. My favorite thing about their relationship honestly, is that they both know that each other is lying to them. Yeah. Does she know the whole time? She, she's, she, she like halfway knows 
Yeah. Like she doesn't know exactly what's going on. She's but, she's she's pretty sharp. She she does seem yeah. like she doesn't fully buy his his shtick, right? Especially once she's they getting, like once they get arrested, and yeah. like he like gets her out of it, and she's like, "How?" And he's like, "Oh, you just say you're part of the the press, and like you know, they let you go." And she's like, "All right." You it's know. like, yeah, buddy, buying me gelato and let's go dancing. Like, yeah. I respect that. Just- yeah. Well, my my favorite one of my favorite lines she has is, "I'm a I'm a good liar too." Yes, mm-hmm. I love that line. And it's like it's like best I've ever known or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's the moment she's like, okay, like that's when she's let go totally. I think mm-hmm. is that puts them on equal footing yeah. for the first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, she knows she knows that he knows. That she's a princess. Yeah. She knows that, or she knows that he is lying. So it's like this, like, okay, we're both going to indulge in this game. Right. And that's actually whenever they actually are able to really Mm -hmm. connect. I think Uh, they're both behind each other. They both know the truth of the situation. Um, And I mean, that's what makes the ending beautiful. That's what makes the ending romantic is he, he totally should exploit her. Like mm. he is broke. He needs the money. You know, he's in Italy and owes people money. That's a good recipe to get killed. Uh, <laughs> uh, so like he should have exploited her and then he doesn't because he wants to maintain the purity of, of the day of give her something that is actually romantic, you know, like not take and, advantage of her and himself. Yeah. And, he... and I also love that they Irving gives her the pictures too. Like yeah. he still has the negatives, but, yeah. but yeah. I really, really do like that. Like he's like, these are a souvenir for you, for you to remember and you to enjoy. And you, and these are for you and for you alone. You know, from a perspective that of the day that maybe you didn't have, you know, just like everybody walks away with like no illusions and all their integrity and that, but like still this really sweet memory. And to me, that's the most romantic. I, 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 I kind of, I think for her, it ends up great for him. I, again, I think he is still acting selfishly and I, I i think that he wants he wants to get the girl he wants to get the girl and so the moment he realizes he could get the girl he completely changes his tune you know and that's when he starts that's when he tries to bury the story you know he 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 could advance his station i Mm, can I argue? Yeah. Yes. I don't think he does any of that because he thinks he can get the girl. I think he does it because he's he respects what they had and the feelings he had for her and her enough not to do it, whether he gets something or not. And I think he can fully, you know, still have that hope and want the girl. I don't think hoping for that is selfish. I think imposing that hope or that expectation on her is selfish. But I don't think he's being selfish by by like holding, like having some hope just for himself. Or by not giving the story away. I think he's just being respectful. I think he's like a stand-up guy now. I don't think he's a stand-up guy. 
I think he's a stand-up guy. Gregory Peck is the love of my life. <laughs> Hate to break it to you. <laughs> I mean, he was lying to her the whole time. You know, he was, he's so, so sorry. He's selfishly motivated the entire time. And then... So was she. Uh, I mean... Day. And I think that's fine. I think it's fine for them both to be selfish. And the movie does do, yeah, I think, a good job. selfless. Of, yeah, in the beginning of painting her as a little bit spoiled. You know, obviously as a princess like she's a little bratty you know to start she she like uses hysterics and throwing fits to like get what she wants and like to like manipulate people to the point where they have to medicate her you know we're like we're just gonna calm you down because you're being a little hysterical yeah classic women yeah i I, that's a joke That's a joke. Don't do <laughs> people out there who can't couldn't read my facial expression. Uh, but no, I think Seth. It's interesting that. So, like the theme that you that you gleaned here was that people can't be happy. Like life doesn't allow people to be happy. I mean, they say it in the movie. Like, the, the I think the most important line in the film is life isn't always what one likes, is it? likes is it like like life is hard and it's not very it's it's pretty you know yeah it's just life is hard and it doesn't go the way you want okay but you get i think this sorry ricky no no go 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 you're good i think yes that's an important part but i think the other the flip side of that is the movie's the whole reason it's so comforting is because, yeah, life isn't always what you want, but you get these little glimpses and these little days and these interactions with people that you get to hold on to, whether you keep those people in your life or not. Um, and I think that's why it's so beautiful. I, I don't think I don't think you have to not be happy just because life is full of compromises. You get little glimpses of it. I want to believe that. Just to bounce off of Megan here, I think yeah, Megan, I. I am fully in line with you because this is the thing. So I think that's the central question of the movie of it's the life isn't always what you want it to be. Is it? And that's the central question of the movie is, is like, is that always true? Like, is that a constant in life that like you're always in a position where, where things, things aren't what you want and you're just going to have to like, learn to like acquiesce and accept that and just kind of put your head down and move through it. Or, as the film might be positing here, or, like Megan's saying, is there, are there moments, are there holidays, breaks, escapes from your life that you get every so often where your life is the way you want it to be mm-hmm. for a brief moment? And then those brief moments make your life what it is and form the rest of your life. The, you know, when you think about, when you go back through your life and your memories and the and your experiences, what are the things that stick out to you the most? Sure, there are some of the heartbreaks, some of the times when life was exactly the way you thought it was supposed to be. As it's as difficult and heartbreaking as it is, everybody says it is. But like the other memories that stick out are the times where it wasn't right, mm-hmm. where it was special, it was a once in a lifetime occurrence, it was something that maybe should not have happened but did and that's special and those collections and you know of like times when life was harsh 
and was exactly the way that everybody says it is. And the times when something beautiful and magical happens inform you what your life is and the, inform your perspective on life. Right. So I think this movie is like, look, most, most of the time you're going to be in your day to day responsibilities and obligations. You're going to compromise and things are kind of going to be lonely and suckish most of the time. But sometimes you get a small respite. And like that can be even more important than the, you know, spend a hundred days doing the things that you're supposed to do. And then that one day, that 101st day makes those other hundred worth it. Yeah. It's like that. Uh, have you seen that SNL Adam Sandler um, Italy trip skit Mm-mm. where he's like, he's like a tour guide and he's basically saying like, we can't make you into a happier person. We can take you to Italy, but we can't make you someone else. Oh, I have and- seen that one. Yes. And then at the end, he's like, a day is a long time to be happy. And most of us get like 30 to 45 minutes. And I think I think that's true. And I think that's like a little condensed um, version of what this movie is saying. <laughs> and not even that they're not happy in their own lives. They're going to find moments of happiness without each other, obviously, and not in Rome. And But I Seth, just, I think. Seth, why are you sad? Seth, are you okay? <laughs> I mean, I am amazed at how optimistic and positive you are. You both are like, I'm impressed. It makes me sad for myself that I'm not this optimistic and positive. Uh, it makes me be like, okay, uh, what is wrong with me that my expectation for life has always. So, I mean, to show my hand a little bit, I mean, I have always had a very high expectations for life. And I guess, cause I have a very vivid imagination I've always thought life could be awesome. And then it's, it's not, it's not, you know? And that's why I like this movie is because it was, it was not awesome. Like it, you know, he doesn't get pulled up to be a prince. You know, she doesn't come down off of her mighty chair for love. Like I like the ending of this movie because it doesn't hold punches. It's like, no, you don't get the girl. She's way out of your league. And to me that like for a, for a movie to actually say that is, is more romantic, you know? Um, And so I'm just saying like, yeah, yeah. You, you get a break, you get a break, but I mean, I, I, I don't know about you. I would, I, I want more than a break personally. I, I want more than a break. That's oh, what yeah. I'm saying. Of course. Mm-hmm. I think Seth, I, I might, I align with you more in like, I think this movie, oddly enough, I'm not, I didn't watch this movie this time around as a romantic comedy. You know what I mean? As in like, it is romantic, but like, I didn't watch it to like feel the romance of the relationship necessarily as much, if that makes sense. Like when we watch 27 dresses, that movie feels very focused on the fact of like these two people coming together and like becoming a couple type thing, which is like most romantic comedies are that like, how, how do these two people come together to be like this, like, you know, be together, which is what most romantic comedies are about. I don't watch this movie in that way. And that's not what I feel when I get out of it. It's more of like a, a whole life philosophy type of feeling I get out of it. Like, 
again, this was a diversion from their lives and now they're back on track. And those diversions I think are important because if we didn't have those diversions, life would be very, very sad and very hard and, and trudge. It'd be very, it would be a lot of trudgery if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. I think the area where I feel very similarly to you about this movie is in my, in the romantic side of things and the relationship and love side of things where I am was super susceptible to the fantasies of relationships and the romance of relationships in my younger years, like believing the fairy tales of, of relationships and all these rom-coms and how things work out and like being very disappointed when things didn't work out like that for me and, and taking it very, very, very hard. And I still have those, those same hangups when it comes to romantic relationships for myself, where I'm what much more pessimistic in romance for myself because of my experience. Most of my experiences have been so heartbreaking. I was literally talking about this with my therapist yesterday. Like, how is it possible that I have this like inside feeling of what love is supposed to feel like romantically? Mm. And it's, not real does that does that make sense like like i'm like you've you've fabricated what you what love is supposed to feel like and yeah like like it's not possible kind of thing like i feel like so like growing up you know as a kid because i need to be specific i love my girlfriend she's amazing but growing up i have several incidents where there was this feeling inside of me that I could not fathom and or even and barely even describe being around another person, and that's not real. So, like, I don't think that's fair to yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think. I mean, here, well, again, I think I relate to you on that. I was even just talking about this the other night. Of like, I when I was growing up, when you know, when I was like. You know, even like I was a very romantic kid, like child. I was like a child in like first grade who was like looking for the love of his life type of kid. I had a journal. Very precocious. I had a journal in third grade that I just like was just me writing odes and and like confessions of my love to Shannon Halsey, you know, like just a whole book. Same. Me and Mallory Fry in second grade. Mallory was like the love of my life. We used to spend recess together drawing our dream house and talking about how many kids we were going to have and all this stuff until she broke my heart. You know what you did, Mallory. (laughs) But anyway, but you know what I mean? I was even as a young kid, I was like, so like, I don't know where I got that from and like why I was like that. But like, that's maybe something I need to explore more. But like, I was like very, very into true love finding the person that I was supposed to spend the rest of my life with as a child. Yeah. And like, I was there. I was there early sure. on. I was stomped on very early. I was like, no, God, God. the world's like, you're that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and so extremely pessimistic now when it comes to romantic relationships with myself to the point where it's hard for me to even like ask people out. Cause like, I'm so now jaded as far as like, okay, it's probably not going to work out. You know, it's just going to be heartbreak and just going to lead me to disappointment. 
And like, so I get, I get, I, I can see why you're there. Cause while like in that, that's maybe like one of the only parts of my life where I've been stuck, where I've had just all rejection and like all heartbreak. Other parts of my life, I've had heartbreak, and but I've also had some wonderful successes, right? And so there's just this one area of my life where it's been all loss, all all disappointment. And so that part of my life, I feel like, is kind of tainted by that same feeling that I think you're having. Mm-hmm. Where maybe I'm more pessimistic for the, for the holistic view. Or more optimistic for the holistic view. You know what I mean? Yeah. I saw I saw Megan trying to say like a couple things or like oh sorry no, I, back. Wanna... I have a lot of thoughts but I I I want to say I understand I'm also I'm in a an odd like place personally where I got out of a relationship I don't know like eight months ago and I was like devastated and now the work I did after that like I feel more like myself than ever before so watching this it was just kind of like, you know, it's been long enough when you watch it. I don't know. Every time I watch it after a breakup, it, once I've like kind of healed a little bit more, I find it so comforting and I kind of read it more as like, yes, it's so sad that that thing didn't work out, but you know, when I, I'm trying to figure out what I want my point to be, let me backtrack. Yay, you're on the show. Finally. Yay. <laughs> so much coffee today. <laughs> let me ver- let me verbalize my thoughts. Oh, it's so hard. Double coffees. Oh my gosh, she's double fisting coffees. Um. So I, when I was a kid, I was also very romantic. I watched tons of like you know, obviously every kid watches like fairy tales and reads fairy tales, and I watched so many romantic comedies, probably too young, and had this very. I was like, once I find my first love, it's going to be it, and I'm going to know, and that's going to be, you know. And I watched Roman Holiday before I fell in love. And I was like, that's so sad. How devastating. You know, like, I, I, not that I didn't like it. I was just so saddened by it. And then I fell in love for the first time, and it didn't work. And I obviously was, again, devastated for a long time and then healed from it. And then I watched that movie. I remember a few months after that in like a theater in Winter Garden near my hometown. And I just, it was so, it was like getting a hug. It was like somebody being like, love is more nuanced than that. Life is more nuanced than that. And that's okay. And everybody has gone through this and everybody has felt it. And I find it so comforting. (laughs) And also I think when I watch it, I see that through this experience, the two of them have learned about themselves and they have a lovely little memory and a warm and fuzzy, you know, thing to remember and a maybe even like a a hope that might last forever. Um, but they their life has to go on and they will be better for it. And obviously watching it at the stage of my life I'm currently at, I can say that maybe in a few months, if I go through like another breakup, I won't be as sunshine happy about the whole thing. But right now I'm like, how nice. That you know, her new feller has a Gregory Gregory Peck quality. I do oh, see huh? really. Her her new feller has a, a Gregory Peck quality. I I oh, do say. Oh, so where did you bring us into your kink without consent? <laughs> <laughs> kink <is> handsome <laughs> men. <laughs> Gregory Peck apparently is your kink. Her her new feller carries himself very similarly to Gregory Peck. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. Look, yes. it's okay. Next time, yeah. just ask yeah. us. Um, but yeah, I definitely, you know, where you are personally with, because um, if I had watched this right after my last breakup, I would have been sobbing. And now I watch it and I'm, you know, like, that's so sweet. So yeah, it Seth, just matters where you are. Seth, don't you think they're, they're potentially it could be a path forward for both of them to be happier on the whole based off of like this experience. I mean, like maybe not like fairy tale happily ever after happy, but do you, th- do you think that maybe like this, this okay, like the, the most romantic, the most romantic thing I can think of that is also real is mm-hmm. that they both get to keep that pain as their own. Jeez. <laughs> That's it, but is it like the pain is theirs? Your therapist is going to be working overtime this week. <laughs> is the only pain though? Is that all you you feel them feeling? I mean, I think they get to look back on the relationship and appreciate it, and feel the pain of the loss of that relationship, and that is the only thing they get to keep. So I see gratitude oh, in their face. Oh man, oh man. I see gratitude when they look at each other. I mean, you can be thankful and sad, right? You can. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think, but, but I think it's still sad. Like it's just still sad. No matter how you look at it, it's sad. Wow. This goes back to last week too, when we were talking about searching and like the fact that like, you're like, I don't want to look at old pictures of videos because it just makes me sad. Yeah. I thought about that too. After I started thinking about that. It's very interesting that you, you look at, you, I think you. It sounds like to me that you're just taking the the sadness part of things, and like it's like it just is weighted different for you. Like when you when you look back at like your experiences, a lot of time, like yes, like the, there's a mixture of the good and the bad, and all the complex emotions that go along with things. But it seems to me that it sounds like a lot of times when you look at your memories, the sadness is weighted heavier than all the other emotions. Well, I don't think human beings were meant to look at their memories. Like you might have something that reminds you of a memory, but like, like photography, like being able to like, I I don't want to get into this conversation necessarily. What I want, I do. (laughs) Uh, What what about people have been, you know, drawing on kids forever. I'm, I'm not saying that we don't log our memories like maybe we are to a degree, but I think like the level at which we log our memories now, especially with technology is like your whole life could just be delving into your past, you know? Yeah. And I don't, I don't agree with that. And I, I just think I, I would well, rather. What, what, no. Yeah. So that's not what I'm talking about yeah. necessarily. Like, like we talked about that in searching. What I'm saying is even like taking away pictures and photos and things like that, even just you going back into your experiences and your memory, it seems to me like you're saying that you just experience the sadness well, stronger than you experience anything else. So I think that there, there's something and I, I risk of getting fucking existential, uh, what so life is not romantic life is real okay Mm -hmm. and what makes life real you know um i think that's why this the film ending is good because it is real right because in real life the suffering equals the pleasure 
So in real life, in, in real life, there is a take and give of suffering and happiness that is constantly in battle and in push pull. And that's like what actually like fabricates existence. Like there is no, there's nothing real without that, without the duality of, of pain and, and pleasure or happiness and sadness. Like it has to be both. Um, and so I, I, when I look back on my life, it makes me sad that looking back makes me happy. I would just rather not experience like, like, like happiness. I like trying to explain. There's a sadness that that happiness is not. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean, this is how fucked up I am. Sometimes I could be very, very happy in a moment and be immediately saddened by that happiness because it's not going to last. It's not, it's yeah. not going to last. Yeah. Like, I, like, yeah. So I, I just, this is something that I think actually upsets me sometimes when people talk about like, especially when talking about movies of like what is real and like, that's unrealistic and this and that and about movies. And it's always pertains to happy endings, mm-hmm. right? People ha- I think have this idea that unhappy endings are real. When things don't end well, that's reality. And when things do end well, that's not reality. And that upsets me because there's a whole spectrum of life and everybody has different experiences. And sometimes people do get happy endings. But like I understand that happy endings don't necessarily portray the complexity of of the situation of like, yeah, like we don't get to see what happens after the happily ever after. You know, when we watch Die Hard, we see we see John McClane end up back up with his wife, but we don't see that three sequels later, they're divorced. So it didn't end happily ever after. It didn't solve all their problems, right? And so I think people, when something ends positively, they're like, well, that's bullshit. But when they see things end badly, they're like, yeah, that's real. And I think that's a false dichotomy. And I think that's that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it, it kind of it does get at me a little bit that people will take a happy ending and then say that that's not real just because it's happy. I would not say that's what I'm saying with this film. Okay, I'll be right back. I spilled one of my two coffees. Two no! Seconds. Not a lot, just a little. Pause. This is real. Unhappy ending for Megan. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I want to speak. I definitely want to speak on that. Fair uh, enough. I am not saying that. Okay, it was really just a little bit. All right, All right, continue. So, like, I'm not saying that unhappy endings are more real than happy endings. That's not what I'm saying. I'm referencing, like, I am, I'm going to bring back what I said at the beginning of the conversation about the donut hole. What's mm-hmm. real is that donut hole. Okay. It's both at the same time. It is a hole that fills the donut and it's a thing that's not in the donut. It is the donut hole. That is what makes things real is that they are both, they're both simultaneously void and meaningful. So like there is both happiness and unhappiness in this ending. She's happy because she gets to keep her reputation. She's not going to be slandered. You know, she to have this experience. Uh, he's happy because he got to meet a princess, you know, but 
there's also sorrow and because she has to stick with her duty there's no way he'll ever be able to rise to a station that's going to be able to connect with her again maybe ever see her again in his life worse oh worse no he has to see her everywhere he has to see her everywhere and she is never going to see him again so Mm -hmm. like i mean it's it's when good things happen there's all these bad things that come with it you know and i think i think honestly i mean i i don't want to be over here woe is me sad right but that's i mean if i'm all on if like i'm really honest about existence it makes me mad like that makes me mad and i am figuring that out <laughs> i'm figuring that out but it definitely like it's rooted in like this if there is a if there is like a god why does it have to be this way and i'm 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 like i'm like still wrapping my head around that and i'm i'm like trying to figure that out and that's why i do this podcast uh mm-hmm. but that's definitely like a part of me i i know it's like i definitely lean on the negative i don't i don't like that about myself but um it's hard for me not to see at least both sides. Mm-hmm. Well, well, maybe I missed because Ricky, you asked like a question about if the sad parts, the sorrow was weighted more. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm still hearing that it is. So I know you're seeing both sides, but do you, how do you think you can like distribute that weight a little more evenly? Cause I, I don't think it's fair to you to be always. No, I agree. It sucks. Um, <laughs> uh, it's yeah, because you you are saying that there, like life has to be both, right? Like right, the happy there's happiness and the sadness, and the sadness and the happiness is both everything and nothing all at the same time, and existentially that's like daunting and confusing. Um, but it, where where like, and again, this is kind of like pairs well with what we talked about last week with like the memories and things like that, and like how how it seems like Megan and I, a lot of the times we're looking back at things and we're re-experiencing the, the, the goodness, even though like the sadness is there of like the, you know, the longing and like is there, it seems like the, the enjoyment and the, the, the happiness in the moment is what is what comes through. And, and, and to be fair to you, that a lot of that could be, biology for you right like i mean we're kind of getting into maybe a touch of like and i'm not an expert on this but like depression right it's like chemically and biologically some people are just more predisposed to feeling these the the negatives harder right and so so maybe that's kind of what might be there you know we all just experience things and we're wired to to take in stimulus and taking our experiences differently and it just may be how you work and it may not be like hey look on the look on the bright side of things buddy so i want i don't want to i don't i apologize if we're if it seems like we're like attacking you seth because I, I don't want you to feel that way you know what no, I, mean? I don't feel attacked um because i'm sure if you could feel the way the way that we are kind of expressing it i'm sure you would right yeah uh, and there's, if I'm straight up honest, like it's, I'm resentful. I'm mm-hmm. resentful at your positivity. <laughs> like, 
like I, I resent it and it, it, and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like that. Um, it's just, I mean, like uh, uh, this is, you know, art reflects life or whatever, um, whatever this podcast is. Uh, uh, my therapist yesterday is trying to get me to define what I think love feels like. Right. And uh, there's our producer upset. Uh, <laughs> it's like Seth, shut up, shut up. Nobody cares. No, uh, we all care. Yeah, we yeah, care. Yeah. Uh, it, so, yeah. So, like, for me, like, there was a time in my life I remember being happy, and then I just don't. Uh, like, around three or four things, like my life got shaken up, and. I just remember when I started school, especially like I was sad, like all the time. And I have always been this depressive kind of person. Um, and so when I try to like define what I think love feels like, it's pre that, like there's like, I go there, um, which is not easy to do. Cause you're, a, you know, you only have so many, feelings i have more than most people um but like i and i i didn't say this yesterday actually but like i and i'm gonna say it i guess but like what love feels like comes from me but i haven't been able to access it in for in like rare occasions does that make sense like put like like love from my family like that felt like a given you know what i mean like it's like i don't even have to feel it because mm-hmm. i know it's there does that make sense mm-hmm. um it's more like a thing you exist in yeah versus like here yeah. yeah so like i just remember being a kid and having ex- like i exuded joy mm-hmm. and uh I have been just literally working my whole life to get back to the place of that. So, um, but, but it feels like life won't let me, does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think, I don't know. My first thought was maybe it's not so, there's this like Cheryl Strayed quote about like, don't sacrifice all your happiness for an idea of yourself. That's not true anymore which isn't exactly what you're saying, but I think maybe versus trying to get back to it exactly, kind of like working with that to redefine what happiness looks like, knowing all you know now. I don't know how how to go about doing that, but that was just my first thought, like trying to get back to like that place of like pure happiness, sadly, isn't Real. I don't know if it's, it's not real. possible. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we can do that as like people who are actively in the world. And, you know, I, a lot of the, I think it's just, we're aware of our, like when we're that young, we're not aware that we're happy. We just are right. That awareness yeah. of, of what we're feeling is like, not even the, the, the vocabulary to describe how you feel is not even there. And so like, I I learned this this new thing recently about like language 
So in a lot of other languages and in some ancient languages, there was no word for the color blue. They don't have a word for blue. And so a lot of times in those cultures, when they'll show people, they have a lot of words for the color, the, the shades of green. So they'll show these cultures a color wheel of all these green squares and one very clearly blue square. And they'll show them to them and they'll ask them to pick out the one that's, that looks different. And they'll struggle to see the blue. Right. But you show somebody who knows what the word blue is and you show them a bunch of a bunch of green squares and say, which one of these is different. We have trouble picking out the green square that's different because and what's weird is language wise, when you don't have the words to describe something, sometimes you don't perceive it. Yeah. And so I think when we're kids, when we don't have the words to describe what way we feel, we just are. And as we get older, we learn how to verbalize what we're feeling. And so we, then we become aware of this, like, of our happiness, but at the same time, we become aware of our sadness. And so you can't get back to this pure happiness because it was pure because you didn't even know that it existed. Yeah. And it's, it's only through per- retroactive perspective that you even know that you were happy. You know what I mean? And it's good and it's bad, the, the fact that eventually you use language to define how we feel because then we can share it with other people. But then there's like the, the downside of that is that some things can't be described or encompassed in language. And then I think that's where like art comes in and exploring feelings through mediums that you already are actively doing. So I think that's already like a really major step in finding that feeling and expressing it. I think what this comes down to is we, each of us sounds like have had our moments in life where some great things have happened to us or some, some surprising things, some some events that took us out of our normal day-to-day routines. And just like in this movie, we can take both yearning and longing and sadness from it especially looking back at it but we can also take happiness and joy and gratitude and hope from those things and it kind of is just exists in us even if we have pictures even if we have videos of it it truthfully really that moment really only exists within us at that point and it allows us to then move forward in our lives and we take it with us and it can at some points bring us pain, bring us down, or at some points it can lift, continue to lift us up. So I think though that we have to have go, we have to at least give ourselves chances to have those moments in order to be able to experience the full breath of, of life in that way. Yeah. And those things when they're like you said, Ricky, they're in, they're in us. And that means that they can spill out, and we can give that feeling to other people or what we learned to other people or we can it changes how we interact with our environment and the people around us for the better a lot of the time. Like that's such a nice surprise when you find yourself saying something or doing something that reminds you of somebody else that you loved or love. Mm-hmm. And and Seth, I for you, I just I understand that you know, like I said it's easier said than done just be like look at the look at the happier parts of those moments and things like that, but it's easier said than done. And I, 
and you can't force yourself to feel one way or another about a thing. But I just hope that some, sometimes when you go back and look at those things and you do feel the sadness that you just spend a little bit more time also trying to feel the happiness too, you know? Yeah. Even if it's not as strong, like dig for it a little bit, you know? But also it's, it changes for everyone all the time. Like, again, right now I'm in a place where I feel, I watch this movie and I feel the joy or I guess the the hopefulness or the happiness, but I, that's just lots of therapy and uh, just be it being a nice day out. And you know what I mean? It, it's constantly changing because people are, we're in flux all the time. So it's totally understandable to look at it the other way. Have you ever flown in your dreams? Mm-hmm. When I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, like I used to be able to fly in my dreams and like, this is kind of like what I mean is like, how is it possible that we know how to fly and what that feels like in a dream? Yeah. And so like, I guess I, that's connected to like the feeling of like that immense joy or that immense like romance or it's like, how is it possible that we have these imagined real feelings? And it's like, they, we don't get to see them in real life. Like I have been like, this is, this is, I am, it's not easy to surprise me. I've said that before on this podcast. And it's like, I, I just want to be, I want to be positive. I would love to be positively surprised. And I guess I was, I was with this movie in a weird way. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I need to, I guess, indulge in those little surprises more. (laughs) Well, no, I like, I think it's just like, feel what you feel. And again, like you can't change your reaction to things, you know, you react and you feel the way you feel. But like, I think, you know, in the spirit of this show, giving yourself the chance to reflect on the complexity of the, of the, of those feelings and that, oh, there is also the reason why it's so sad to look back at some of those things and those experiences. And like you said, like be experiencing just pure, a high of happiness and then becoming aware of it and then immediately being sad afterwards is like an acknowledgement of it. Like uh, I had a, a real awesome human moment in my life and like, sure. It sucks that that moment's over, but like I had it and that is real, you know, mm-hmm. like, and that's all, I mean, at the end of the day, whether or not you believe in any kind of religion or afterlife or any, you know, even it just like the fact that we just like, when we die, maybe we just like become a part of the universe again as we have all as our molecules and our atoms have all been millions and millions of times, if not billions of times throughout the the, the universe's history. Mm. Like that's the only thing at the end that matters is that what happened happened and that's real. And the, you know, all of it is real. All of it is real, the good and the bad. And taking taking one over the other is just like so. Unfair. You, bring, 
you bring up Israel. Um, I did not. <laughs> oh my god. I did not bring up Israel. You said it. I said Israel. <laughs> uh, this is a kind of weird word thing my brain does, but uh, I I think it's really interesting that the meaning of the word Israel is one who wrestles with God. So that's it's mm. akin to what it means to exist, right? Like mm. you're you you're wrestling with it. And uh, I think I mean I think it's really kismet that the words Israel and Israel, Israel. sound so that is interesting. Yeah. Right. Which Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Oh man, this is tough because I I I totally and you're I think Megan hits it on the head here where it's like on good my good days yeah I look back at the stuff really favorably on bad days it makes me very sad so like it yeah. always depends on where you are in your in your in your roller coaster ride of life and you're right that both are important you know in order to be fully existing yeah you can't like, ignore one of them entirely the mm. good or the bad exactly. Um, oh, I just thought of something just like to wrap it up here. So in the movie, they go visit this wall, right? And the story behind this wall is that there was this family, there were the bombings in World War II. This family hides by this wall in the, while as like bombs are hitting the, the plaza, right? And miraculously, nobody in the family was hurt. So there is this like beautiful, joyous celebration of the of a miracle amongst a whole lot of destruction and pain and death. And so that family chose, you know, chose, or or at least the, what their experience of that situation is, is beautifully improbable and romantic. Mm-hmm. And, but it happened, you know, and, but amongst that, the, but there were bombs hitting the city. Right. And so I think within the movie, Seth, to your credit, there is this idea of like a beautiful improbability of ro- a romantic reality mm-hmm. am- amongst the real life slog of pain and destruction and death and sadness. Yeah. <laughs> wishes still come true even in the donut hole things how yeah. improbable but but possible still so i don't know it's tough though it's tough to see the good when there are bombs hitting your city that's true so to be fair to anybody out there who are like who are like seth and like you guys are way too obliviously optimistic <laughs> we are aware that right now we might be having a good day <laughs> and we don't always feel this way, but sometimes we do. And it's good to have that when it, when you have it. And I think that's where we can end our conversation of Roman holiday today. Uh, Seth and Megan, thank you so much. Megan, thank you for bringing this movie to us today. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, it's time to talk about what's next and guess who's up. It's Seth. 
It's me. What are we watching next time, buddy? Well, I was tossing around a few ideas. Uh, I had thrown up potentially. Up. I'd, oh, no. I'd thrown up potentially Spinal Tap. Maybe I thought about oh. that. Uh, I thought about Almost Famous. Um, but I think I'm going to take a, a left turn because uh, it is Valentine's week next week. It is right. It is. We- and I wanted to do something that was different than what we have been doing. So we're going to do Boogie Nights. <laughs> I've wanted to see that. You've never seen Boogie Nights? No, but it's oh. been on my list. This is, good. this is a good thing. Okay, uh, well, you... but we might be talking about Cunnilingus next week. <laughs> Just okay, so you know. <laughs> Aunt, Aunt Priscilla, Aunt Priscilla, Aunt. if you're listening to this right now, Warning for next week. We're watching Boogie Nights. We're watching that's about, Boogie Nights. That's about to, <laughs> that's about to sex. So uh, fair warning. You know. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Okay. Uh, so yes, so. everybody out there, we'll be watching uh, 1997's Boogie Nights. Uh, if you would like to watch along with us, you can find Boogie Nights on looks like HBO Max and Amazon Prime with a subscription, uh, or you can rent it on YouTube, Google Play Movies and TV, Apple TV, Redbox, and Vudu. Uh, so if you're going to watch along with us, that is where you can find the movie. Uh, otherwise, I think that is the end of our episode. So p- let's give everybody the big shout out. Megan, why don't you go ahead and shout yourself out? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram, uh, M-E-A-G-H-A-N underscore Jane 61. All right. Thank you. And Seth. Yeah, you can find me at the Birdie Word on Twitter. That's T H E B I R D Y W O R D. You can find me as Seth Adam Crow on Instagram. That's Crow with an E, so S E T H A D A M C R O W E, and SethCrow.com. Uh, Crow with an E, always with an E. All right. And I'm Ricardo Boyd Diaz. You can find me at Ricardo Boyd Diaz on both TikTok and Instagram. That is R-I-C-A-R-D-O-B-L-A-Y-D-E-D-I-A-Z for Instagram and TikTok. And you can find this show, the What's It About Foom podcast, on Twitter at WeAPodWhat, on Instagram at What's It About Podcast, and on TikTok at What's It About Pod. We post new episodes every Friday morning on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, podcasts spotify apple podcasts and wherever else uh you can find podcasts you can probably find us again that's the what's it about film podcast thank you both so much for being here again boogie nights next week we will see you all again next time bye adios bye